Hello and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center's Victoria's Living Podcast. Victoria's Living Christian Center is a church that strives to stand for goodness and is committed to encourage and show a better way. A church whose vision is to see God's people living a victorious life. This is accomplished through community outreach, education, healthy living, and support groups while still providing spiritual growth. Our goal is to meet the needs of man, spiritually as well as naturally. So welcome and enjoy. Good evening and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center Gospel Bible Chapel. This is Pastor Ruth Gardner. We are starting our Bible study lesson. We're continuing with the, in the beginning, um, the study of the book of Genesis, which has been presented by our very own prophetess, Patrice Myrick. So let us uh, open up in prayer and the next voice you will hear will be prophetess Patrice. Pastor John, can you open us up, please? Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, God, for meeting us one more time, God, to gather together in your name, for we know, God, where two and three gather together, you are in the midst. And God, we pray, God, that you speak to the teacher on today, God. Give her fresh wisdom and a fresh anointing. Continue to strengthen her and lead her, God. And God, I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that you just continue to speak to all of us and open up our hearts to be able to receive whatever it is that you have for us, God. Lord, we pray, God, that you just continue the doing something in this ministry, God, helping this ministry to go, grow and move forward in you, God. And God, we just thank you for everything that you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Wednesday night Bible study chat room where we are walking through um, in the beginning, the study of the, um, the book of Genesis. Last week, we were we were looking at, we stopped at chapter 10, and we were looking at the issue in reference to um, the genealogy of Noah, descendants of Noah. And after every one, it said, you know, where they had went, where they, their, where they landed, and they would go to their part of the country. And it talks about that they, they you know, their languages. But then when we, we talked about chapter 11, where we're going to go into further in reference to the Tower of Babel, where God confuses the languages. But if we, the question was, if in chapter 10, if they had different languages, how was it that, how could God, confuse the language if they had already had different languages why would he do that so i had to dig a little deeper in that because we all know that the bible is really sometimes not in, in chronological order right so in chapter 10 gives us a little clue um and let's go to chapter 10 verse 25 real quick um it says two sons were born to eber the name of one one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. The name Peleg means divided, right? 
And so that gives us a clue that, it, that, that the languages were already confused, that it's not in chronological order, but the Tower of Babel actually happened in chapter 10, but it was just a one thing they separated to show that man was trying to be like God. So when we look at it, you know, we try to, when we read the Bible, <clears throat> we, and it's good that we read the way we do because we ask the important questions. If we didn't ask the questions, how would we get the answer? We would just be saying, well, chapter 10 contradicts chapter 11. But the one, the one, it was one language, but then it, it, when we look at chapter 10, it talks about each of the descendants going to their own way and having their own languages in their country. And then chapter 11 talks about the universal language in the in Babel and the Tower of Confusion and how God confused the languages. So really, the situation with the Tower of Babel actually happened in chapter 10, and they just separated it. So that's the explanation for that. And um, in reference to the, um, the geographical location of the Tower of Babel, it's, it's, it talks about you know, we talked about Nimrod, right? And how they, they basically kind of call it the Tower of Nimrod. And Nimrod wanted to make the tower because he was so angry with God that he had killed his descendants of the flood. So he wanted to make something taller so the floodwaters couldn't wash it away, therefore getting back at God. Isn't that funny? He's going to try to get back at God. Who does that? So that's what his train of thought was in reference to the Tower of Babel. So we're going to start today in chapter 11. Any questions before we get started? Any, any concerns? Any additions? Anything? Mm -hmm. No. no? Mm -hmm. Does it make sense what I said? Yes. We, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because we know that it's not a chronological order, but if you get a chronological Bible, you'll get confused because it's written in chronological order. You'll be like, wait a minute. And, but, <laughs> but they, they try to put together the Bible in the order of the events as opposed to the actual books, right? Mm -hmm. So I have one of those and I had to I, I, I get confused because you're so used to one way of learning because you're learning from different books and, and, and the order of the books as opposed to the order of the events. Mm -hmm. And that's why sometimes we get confused on how we read and how we read it, and how we interpret it because the events are not in chronological order. All right, so we're going to start with chapter 11 today. We're going to go into chapter 12, which is one of my favorite chapters, um, our friend Abram. Amen. We're on chapter 12? We're in chapter 11. We're going to do 11 okay, 12 all right. tonight. All right, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. Okay, let me start it. Okay. had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that they were building. The Lord said, mm. that one people should be through the same language. They have begun to do this. 
then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. This is the account of Shem's family line. Two years after the flood, when Shem was 100 years old, he became the father of Arphaxad. And after he became the father of Arphaxad, Shem lived 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Arphaxad had lived 35 years, he became the father of Shelah. And after he became the father of Shelah, Arphaxad lived 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Shelah had lived 30 years, he became the father of Eber. And after he became the father of Eber, Shelah lived 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Eber had lived 34 years, he became the father of Pelech. And after he became the father of Pelech, Eber lived 430 years and had other sons and daughters. When Pelech had lived 30 years, he became the father of Reu. And after he became the father of Reu, Pelech lived 209 years and had other sons and daughters. When Reu had lived 32 years, he became the father of Sarug. And after he became the father of Sarug, Reu lived 207 years and had other sons and daughters. When Serug had lived 30 years, he became the father of Nehor. And after he became the father of Nehor, Serug lived 200 years and had other sons and daughters. When Nehor had lived 29 years, he became the father of Terah. And after he became the father of Terah, Nehor lived 119 years and had other sons and daughters. After Terah had lived 70 years, he became the father of Abram. Nahor and Haran. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Ishka. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years. The Lord he had died. said to Abram, Go from your country and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and who blesses you, I will and all um, on the they read the Bible. Be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, 
Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moray at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while, because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. And the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. And they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her to be my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men. And they sent him on his way with his wife and went over from Egypt to the Negev. Amen. Boy, the man got kicked out. <laughs> Amen. So let's go back to chapter 11. I know we discussed in reference to uh, the Tower of Babel, but when you look at it, it says now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. We discussed that before we got started, right? Verse two, it came about as they journeyed east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. Then said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used the bricks for stone and they used for tar for mortar. They said, and this is the same way um, the bricks were made in Egypt and also the, the, the mortar was what um, Moses' mother used to uh, seal his basket. They said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven and let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we'll be scattered abroad over the face of the earth. Now, this is funny because when you look at this, they want to be like God. Let's, let's make a name for ourselves. Now, remember in, in the beginning of Genesis, when Adam and Eve had sinned, and, and the enemy, the snake, right, the serpent said, he doesn't want you to know because you'll be like him. And that caused them to sin. So here they are saying, let's make a name for ourselves. 
so we won't be scattered. Then the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. The Lord said, Behold, there are one people, and they're all the and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they're supposed to do will be impossible for them. So basically, God knows that if we come together, there's nothing impossible, but God is 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 seeing that. This is not what he wants because they're trying to be like him. They're trying to reach heaven. And Nimrod, his, his, um, his purpose, like I said earlier, was to make sure that God did not allow the earth to flood again. He said, like, you killed my ancestors. So he's going to get, he's going to get revenge on God by building this tower so tall that the flood could not take them out. But what Nimrod doesn't understand, God is God. If he wants to take the tower out, he's going to take the tower out. Nimrod is looking like, oh, I'm going to get God back because he killed my ancestors. Well, Nimrod, you weren't even born. <laughs> he wasn't even born. But he was angry and he wanted to get back at God. So then it says, come, let us go down there, confuse their language, so they will not understand one another's speech. And like I said, going back to chapter 10, when we looked at the descendants of Noah, where the Bible says they went to their lands and their own languages, but then chapter 11 says they were one language. We know that, and like I said before, we know that the Bible is not always in chronological order. However, the Tower of Babel actually happened in chapter 10. And what did I reference there? I referenced chapter 10, verses 25, because it says two sons were born to Eber. The name the one was Peleg, which means what? Divided. For in these days, the earth was divided and his brother's name was Jotan. So already here in 25, the earth was already divided. The languages were already split, right? So chapter 11, this was a part of chapter 10. It's just not in chronological order. So we don't have, have that confusion going on. Verses 10 through, uh, uh, let's see, verses 10 through, 29 i'm sorry to 28 basically we're looking at the descendants of shem and we talked about shem being what the descendants of asia right so shem was asia ham was what africa the hamites and then japheth was the europeans so we see that god not only took he recreated the earth by using the sons of noah to populate the earth and 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 Noah's um this the wives of Noah's sons to populate the earth but then also they kept having children and they had to scatter because he said to populate the earth the same instruction that he gave to Adam and Eve right so chapters of, I mean excuse me verse chapter 11 verse 10 all the way to 28 talks about the actual descendants of Shem but when we get down to I'm sorry when we get to 24 it says, Nahor lived 29 years, and he became the father of Terah. Nahor is Abraham's grandfather, Abram's grandfather, and Terah is Abram's father. And he says, and Nahor lived 190 years and became the father of Terah, and he had other sons and daughters. Terah lived 70 years and became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now, these are the records of the generations of Terah, and it goes on and on, become the father. It says, and then Haran died in the presence of his father. But then there was supposed to have been going down. It says, Abram, Abram, 29, Abram, and Nahor took wives for themselves. The names of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Ishka. 
before then it talks about they were headed to Canaan. They never made it to Canaan. Terah, Terah, um, Abram's father, was trying to get to Canaan, but he died in Haran. He, he never made it there. So when we look at it, it talks about Sarah being barren. She had no child. And we get into the beginning of the Abram story, right? So we're going to flip over to chapter 12. We know that, to me, this is one of my favorite chapters because of Abram's, of his obedience. And that he presumes in the promise, he, 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 but it, there's pressure in that promise, right? So we know that in chapter 12, he tells him to go out and he says, go forth. It's like, he just says, go forth. And from your relatives and from your father's house to the land, which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you your name great. So shall you be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and the ones who curse you, yet I will curse. And in you, all families of the earth will be blessed. So from that point on, God from chapters 12, 1, all the way through 3, God gives him his instructions on what to do. There's no dialogue, whereas this is a monologue. God is talking to Abram. Abram's not saying anything. Chapter 4 says, so Abram went huh, forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. He didn't tell him to take Lot. He said, you, go forth to your country. He didn't say go forth with Lot and the people and your cousins and them. He told Abram to go forth. But because of who Abram was, that you know, he was the, like the pillar of his family, and he was close to Lot, that was his cousin, and he did what? He went with him. Lot went with him. Now, Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his nephew. I'm sorry, it was his nephew, not his cousin. I apologize. And all their possessions which they had accumulated and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, which means they had slaves, their own servants, the people they had acquired. So now he's got him, his wife, his nephew, and all the servants that they own. Now they're going through. Now that he's moving on. Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Sheshem to the Oak of Moreh. Now the Canaanite was in the land. The Canaanite was in the land. Now we got our ites. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give you this land. So you, he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now we're looking at the second altar. Remember when Noah got off the, off the ark and the land was dry and they had this, the situation with the sun and he cursed, he, cursed, he cursed Ham, but he cursed Ham's grandson. I think it was Ham's. No, he cursed Ham's son, not Ham. And so when we look at here, Abram built the altar. Noah built the altar. Now Abram built the altar. He says, it's a period of Then he proceeded from there to the mountain to the east of Bethel and pitched the tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, where he built the altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Abram journeyed on continuing toward Negev. Now there was a famine in the land. So God is telling him he's going to bless him. 
So it means if God's going to bless him and he's going to have descendants, he has to survive the famine. Even though we're in something, God promised us, but it doesn't look like what he promised because he didn't say there's a famine. He just said, I'm going to bless you, that we still have to remember that even in the promise, there's pressure because there's famine. The famine means people are going to be hungry. So we have to remember that even in the pressure of the pandemic, we're going to be blessed because God said, I will bless you. All we had to do was what? We had to go. Mm, my God, Jesus. All we had to do was go. Woo, I'm sorry, I forgot to split on that one. So now there's a famine in the land. So Abram was down to Egypt to sojourn there for the famine was severe in the land. It came about when he came near to Egypt that he said to his wife, Sarai, see now, I know that you are a beautiful woman. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Now here comes the lie. His fear of the famine causes him to lie to Pharaoh. But he forgot that God said, I'm going to bless you. But the funny part was that when God told him what to do, he just went. And so he set out and he went for it. Now there's a famine. He sees a little obstacle here because he forgot that God said, I'll be with you. So he tells him that they'll let you live. Please say that you are my sister so that it may go well with me, with me because of you and that I may live on account of you. So now you see where Abram is selfed up. He's looking out for himself. He said, you be the wife so that I can live. And so it'll be well with me. He ain't saying that about her. Wow, Abram. He threw Sarai under the bus like that. He just like just went. So as it came about when Abram came into the, to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. So she's walking with the lie so that Abram could be protected. Therefore, he treated Abram well for her sake and gave him sheep and oxen and donkeys and male and female servants and female donkeys and camels. So now he's getting more servants because of the lie. He's getting the sheep. He's getting, he's getting oxen and donkeys, right? Male and female servants. And he's getting camels. But the Lord struck Pharaoh at his house. This reminds me of, um, oh my goodness. Who was in the boat? Uh, Jonah. When Jonah was in the boat and the boat was, when the storm was coming, they're like, uh-uh, you get off. They pushed him off the boat. Like, you got to go. So Pharaoh said, says, but the Lord struck Pharaoh and his house with the great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. Then Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that that was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him and they escorted him away with his wife and all that belonged to him. Mm. So he got caught in the lie. But the funny part was, he said, God struck Pharaoh. So like, wait a minute. Something's not right with this. God reveals to Pharaoh that that's Abram's wife and not the sister. Oh, you got to go. Because if God is coming to me, I don't want no parts of you. 
Because remember, Pharaoh didn't believe in God, but God came to Pharaoh to let him know, to warn him, mess with him if you want. Sleep with it if you want. These are my kids. And they're anointed because they're going to be the descendants of what? They're going to pop. He's going to be the father of many nations. So that, so Sarah could be polluted. She was barren, right? But she couldn't be touched. But because Abram was so busy trying to cover up and make things right for him as being the man, he used his wife in a lie and she went with it. But Pharaoh was like, oh, no. God struck Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, you know what? Mm -mm, I don't want no parts of it. I'm out of here. So then, and so then we see that he, he's kicked out. He's evicted. Um, and he sends him on his way. Next week, uh, you all be going through chapters 13 and 14. Um, I pray that we're only going to be doing two chapters a week so that we can dig in, so it can make sense of what was being said. I know that I said a lot, but, you know, every time I read this chapter, more gets revealed to me about Abram and, and in reference to the pressure and the promise and how God promised, promised him you know, that he was going to be with him. He said, I need you to go. But at the same time, in that promise, there was pressure called the famine. That means that when God tells us to do something, doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. Yep, I'm talking to you, Patrice. It's not going to always be easy. It's not going to always seem easy. It's not going to always feel good because the famine is scary. It was a severe famine, which means that Abram was so busy worried about himself and things going well that he decided, I'm going to go to Egypt, but I'm going to lie to Pharaoh just so things can go well for me. And Pharaoh blessed him because he took his sister as his wife. But just because we say yes, and God says, I'm going to bless you along the way. God doesn't give us the whole story. He never does. He, he wants to see our obedience. He wants to see how loyal we are to the yes. Because if, if, if we really take a look at our yes over the years, there's some stuff we'd be like, you know what? I'm out. I'm out. I know for me, if I had known some of the stuff that I was going to go through because of the yes, pause. Lord, I love you. I will study your word, but I don't want to go through that. But one thing about it, God can't tell us because the fact of it is, is that if he tells us, then how do we build our what? Our faith. Our faith is not built on when things are going good. Our faith is built on when things seem impossible, when things don't make any sense. Just like when he told Abram to go, just go. That didn't make any sense. He told Noah to build it. They'll come. He, he, he beckoned the animals to come to Noah, but he told Noah to build it. But it took Noah over 107 years to build the ark for something, to prepare for something he had never seen before. That's faith. That's obedience. And he had to build it by spec by spec on, on what God had told him and how he told him to build it. What is God giving us as a vision that sometimes you can write it down and you can go in a room and everything that you wrote down, you see is because of what? Your obedience and you pay attention to God. But then there's sometimes that God will tell us to do something and we don't like the way it's going or the way he told us to do it. We put our little two cents in there. We try to, well, you know, but if I call Sister So-and-So, she can make this happen. No. When we do that, we're saying that He's not God, I'm God, and I know better than what God is telling me to do. 
That's all I got for that because I could go on and on and on, but I got to get back to work. But the end of the day is that God is faithful. And even in the promise, there is pressure in the promise. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. I like the fact that, you know, we have to understand sometimes God will lay us, he'll give us a glimpse of what he's trying to do in our lives. But we have to, um, we have to understand that, you know, there may be bumps and, and obstacles on that journey. You know, he never tells us, you know, that song, it says, nobody told me that the road would be easy. Mm-hmm. God promised to, to the, the end he's he promised to bring us to an expected end but he never tells us how or what method or what you know what's the route going to be like so you know even with even though god promised abram that he was going to be a father of many nations and he changed his name to abraham he didn't explain to him the details of what he had to go through and that is so true even when i think about um with moses you know, he he was also given a, uh, a prop, prophetic word saying that he was going to let the people free his people, but he didn't know how it was going to go through. He didn't know anything about the plagues that he had to go through. He didn't know about him getting uh, cornered up at the Red Sea. He didn't know any of that, but he just told, but God just told him that he was going to free his people. So it's like, you know, God will tell us things. He'll let us know that, you know, these things are going to be I have a great ministry for you. I have a, I have a great anointing. There's a great anointing on your life. And there's a great ministry that I'm going to do. I'm going to use you. You're going to be a prophet to the nations and you're going to do great things for the Lord, but you don't know the, 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 the training ground or preparation of that, of all the things that you have to go through. But nevertheless, you know, sometimes we get in ourselves, as we saw with Abram, he got in himself because he lied and said, don't say you're my wife, say you're my sister, because they're going to kill me. But see right there, his faith was being challenged because had he had the faith that he, that he eventually had, as we see later on, if he had that same faith at the beginning, he wouldn't have worried about whether or not they were going to kill him or not, because how how am I going to be the father of many nations? God, you promised me I'm going to be father of many nations and they're going to kill me. That can't be. Just like with, just like with his son, you know? Am I jumping ahead? I'm sorry. <laughs> like his son. I, I love Abram. He, I, he's one of my favorite uh, biblical characters. Um, but even with that, when he um, was with his son, he was sacrificing his son. At that point, his faith was at that level where he believed God for anything. But at this point, he was on his way. He was going through the steps and through the journey as, as his faith, as, as, as uh, increasing and, and strengthening his faith in God. So yeah, because I, at that time, when he was told to sacrifice Isaac, he was Abraham. Right now, he's right, Abraham. Right. Abraham yeah. hasn't been changed yet. Right? Yeah. So yeah. God tests his faith in the famine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. So I, I is it, uh, that's wonderful. Okay, I'm, I'm done. Anyone else have anything to say? Don't be shy. I do believe uh, Pastor Marquise wrote, my God, there is pressure in the promise. Yeah, that'll preach, right? That's a word in itself. There is pressure in the promise. Amen. Amen. 
So Elder Joy, you have nothing. Come on, y'all. Talk, Pastor John. This is Gospel Bible chat room. Somebody say something. So uh, <laughs> good evening. <laughs> good evening. The points about, so, you know, knowing this story that, you know, Shem and all, they were scattered, but really being specific on where they landed that struck me like, whoa. So, you know, God and how strategic he is, it just blows, it just still blows my mind. I never get over it. That makes sense. <laughs> and that it was necessary <laughs> to have the diversity in the earth. You had to, they had to go to those places, those locations. Mm-hmm for language, for culture, for all of those things to be developed in these different spaces. So it just made me go back to just the whole creation story, like how awesome God was in his thinking from the beginning. Like, I don't know, I just don't tie it together until you hear it. You know, you know, he made the trees, he made all these things, but when the placement of the people formed countries, formed other states, formed other cities, formed other, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just like, God, you are just, he's just amazing. So thank you for pointing that out and even the locations. So now I want us, now I'm ready to dig even further, especially the African piece. Who is that, Shem? No, that's Ham, because you're a Hamite girl. You're a Hamite. I'm a Hamite, so Ham. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to I need to check check that out. You know, it's it's just it just blows my mind. So I just wanted to share that that revelation, I guess you would say, um, in this moment and through this Bible study. I always get something fresh here. It's amazing. Hey man, I wanted to I wanted to say something real quick. When I was talking about, we were discussing, I think it's in verse three. Verse three, no, verses five and six. So we talked about how Abram went, he landed in Canaan, right? Mm-hmm. But and it said that the Canaanites were there, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't. That was the land that God had promised him. But it, the Bible mentions just real quickly, the Canaanites were there. Why do you think that God mentioned in the word? Why was it mentioned just like that, like it was slight? Even though that was the land that God promised, God hadn't given it to him yet, but that was the land he had promised him, but it was already occupied. Anybody know? No. Okay, what are you asking again? Okay. Okay, so the land, when he got to Canaan, that was the land that God promised him. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says really quickly, but there were the Canaanites were there. It says, and the Canaanites were in the land, period. And that was that was the only sentence that mentions them. It's like God just threw out a, a, a nugget for us to remember that that was a land he promised. But as we're reading, we read over it. Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here we go. The Canaanites 
they're occupying the land. The land doesn't get free of the Canaanites until 400 years later. Later. 400 years later is when we look at that. Here it is. It says here, then there's a Jacob bought a piece of land uh, from the Canaanite named him or that was in 33 when they started buying land and so by they started occupying the land mm -hmm. so what happened in that 400 years does uh, that's the i guess that's the question we asked the text right what happened right, exactly yeah what what that what was the motivation what led them to start to buy land or make movements forward and then there was two mountains in the middle of Canaan, two okay. mountains. Remember, it says, Abram passed through the land to the place of Sheshem. Remember that? Mm -hmm. This was the first stopping point. This is when he first stopped in Canaan. He came to a notable tree that was, he said, the tree of Moreh. That was a Terebinth tree, T-E-R-E-B-I-N-T-H. So it says the name Sheshem means what? It means shoulder, it means shoulder. So they get the meaning because of the two mountains. One mountain was um, Gerashim, G-E-R-A-Z-I-M. The other one was Ebal, E-B-A-L. And the mountains look like shoulders, mm -hmm. which was in the middle of Canaan. So when Jacob, so when you get to chapter 33, you start reading about Jacob and they start accumulating and buying, buying land and, and building the altar and all that stuff. And Jacob's well is in the land of Canaan. But when Abram gets there and it says, the Bible just real quick says, and they were Canaanites there. Canaanites were in the land and it moves on. But that was the land that God promised him but it didn't come to pass until 400 years later. That was a land that his descendants were supposed to be on. That was a land he had given him until he was going to make him what? The father of all nations. I just threw that out. So was like it that. a delay of huh? Ab Abram's disobedience? Maybe it's a delay in him getting... Well, it, it's a plan of events because he just lands there. But the Canaanites were many. It wasn't like it was just one person. Abram right. came with his, with his clan. But it was a process also. And remember, too, when he got there, his name was still Abram. Yeah. He didn't get it until his name was changed. And then some things had to transpire with the Canaanites. God. The Canaanites weren't going to just give up the land because, because God told you to come here. Who are you? <laughs> we was here first. <laughs> right. Right. Because Jacob, he bought some land for 100 pieces of silver. He started buying land because they knew that's where they were supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So when you look at, you can, you can take that statement I just said, you can take it, you can tear it up, you can dissect it. What happened in 400 years? What transpired? We'll learn as we go because we're still in Abram's story because his name has not changed yet. How did he get the land? What happened? Mm -hmm. But I love the fact that the Bible mentions about the tree, right? And then as you do your study, you learn about the mountains that look like shoulders. Yeah. And how the, the, the names are specific, they have meaning. 
It's not like he says the name Sheshem. Okay, you read just real Sheshem. Sheshem means shoulder. And so when we start reading the Bible and looking at stuff and tearing it apart, you know, asking the questions, okay, what does that name mean? Because remember, every name meant something. You know, Shaniqua don't mean nothing today. You know, you know, God named people with purpose and people named their children with purpose and their names had meaning. Mm -hmm. And we can still go back and say, you know, uh, you know, Mariah meant Mara, you know, meant Sarah or whatever. And we could go to the different names in the Bible and what they meant. Mm -hmm. But we also have to learn that through Jewish customs, too, because they we, these are Jewish people. Mm -hmm. And Jewish people named their children with purpose. Whatever they named them, that's their purpose. Okay, I have a question. What was the other mountain name? L E B A L Ebal. What does that mean? It was two. It was two mountains. The word Shechemi showed it, but in the in the geographical area, right? The idea was to be there was two hills that looked like shoulders. One was what Gerizim. And the other one was Ebal. See in my notes, Ebal, E-B-A-L, were like shoulders with Sheshem in the midst of them. So Sheshem was in the midst of the two, the two mountains, but that was in the middle of Canaan. So it was like, was that a dividing line in the middle of Canaan? We don't know. Mm -hmm. But Sheshem was in the midst, that was not only in the midst of the mountains, but it was also right there in the middle of Canaan. So it was like, here are the mountains in Canaan, and, and the mountains were in the middle of Canaan. That's all I got for y'all today. <laughs> I left us with another thing like, hmm. What? <laughs> you did that last week. You were like, hmm. <laughs> Had us thinking. Now we're like, hmm, what's up with those mountains and shoulders? So Sheshem was also, when we get, when we get to 34, Sheshem was going to come up again. Sheshem was where um, Jacob's daughter, Dinah, remember her? Mm -hmm. She was raped. She was raped there in Sheshem. And then the sons of Jacob, they did what? They retaliated. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. So when we go, so as we go along, these names in the beginning the early parts of chapter 12, it just throws out these little mentions. We're going to see come up again and why, what happened and, and the thing, the events that took place and fighting to get the land that God had already blessed them with. Remember, God said, this is the land I will give you. I will show you. You go and I'm going to show you where to go. He showed them where it was, but he said, I'm going to give this to you. He didn't say that I, you was going to just stand in. Everybody who, got, who was already there was going to leave. Mm -hmm. You know what you need? We need we need a map. Oh, that's easy. For that area during that time, so we could see, like, get a good visual mm -hmm. of what you're saying and, and everything, so we could see mm -hmm. the different cities and stuff. And yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we need a map. But Let's since you take it over next week, you can find that map. Okay. <laughs> Don't those rose books that we have have maps? Yeah, they do. They do. They have books. They have maps. And I'm it, just saying. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, to give us a, a deeper, like, visual of what you're saying and stuff, like where all these cities are, where, you know, where 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 they settled at, and, and their journey, and um, and the 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 you know land, um, 
during this time. So we can see how uh, Abraham, Abram traveled and, and everything. And we can see the mountains that you're talking about and, this, and Shechem and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna see if I can find a map for next week and show it. Awesome. Anyone else has anything they want to say? Because I don't want to hold up uh, prophets. I know she got. Yeah, because you know they have a Bible atlas, right? Yeah, they have a Bible atlas. We that's what we have. It's called. It's by Rose Publishing. Um, it's uh, where is it? It's right behind me here. Yeah. Oh, volume one is Bible charts, maps, and yeah, time. maps and timelines. I have it right here. Well, I just put the one for Shisha in the in the chat. Oh, okay, I see it. And then there's mm -hmm. um. Well, yeah. Excuse my hair. I'm not recording the thing because I got my my hair looking kind of crazy. <laughs> but see it? Oh, you no. can't see it. There it is. See it? Yeah, I got that. Yeah. Yeah, and this has the uh, and you can see on the back the little picture of the maps there. So I can't. But I'm not allowed to buy no more books. I cannot buy another book. I cannot. <laughs> this so, doesn't make any sense. If you do have this one, do you have volume two and three? No, mm -hmm. I said I wasn't buying no more books. I'm not buying no books. I can't. I, I can't. Yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm trying to pack up the ones I got and get them out of here. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to um, find that. But it gives you the occurrences when the one I just sent you. It tells you like 12, 6, uh, Abraham passed through the land of Shechem to the oak of Moray. The Canaanite was in the land. Then it jumps over to 33. Jacob came into the peace of the city of Shechem. It gives you the chronological order as he, of the occurrences of where he is. What, the link you I the just Bible sent Atlas you. one? Yes, yeah, so the one I just sent you. Okay. Yeah, we went old school grabbing books. She went more. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> I, I look. <laughs> I got it. I got. It. I have a lot of stuff on digital. A lot of stuff, but I had to start condensing because there's no. I mean, you can only read so much. I mean, I, and I read them all, but I like to hold. I like to hold on to my books. But now I'm, you know, me and my um my audio, we friends too. So um, but when it comes to like research and things, I do a lot of it um online only to save space and time. Um, see it now, and scroll down on that right side. Scroll down. See right there, see what says occurrences? Here, right here. Uh-huh, it tells you where he was and where he went. And it okay. tells you where it, we tells you where it is in the Bible. Yeah, that's all mm -hmm. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, to the old. I knew what you were looking for, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh, <laughs> so we see how he went all around. And there's the two mountains. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Only do it. <laughs> oh yeah! Look at that! Look at oh, that! You're funny. For me, and look, it tells you see our area. Mm -hmm. This is this is exactly what I was saying. Thank you. I know a little something, something not much. Oh, you know, you know bit. a lot of something, something. Mm. All, right. <laughs> All right, guys. I got to get back to work because I'm going to be on here a minute. It's, it's almost nine o'clock. Okay. All right. Oh. Well, Lord, we thank you for this Bible. Oh, I'm sorry. Did anybody have anything else they wanted to say? <laughs> I was cutting everybody off. Okay. 
Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you, Lord God, for this time as we come together to learn more of you, to dive into the golden nuggets, those hidden treasures of your word. Father, we pray, oh God, that we will retain everything that we were taught today. God, we thank you for enlightening us and showing us new things and giving us new uh, interpretations and new uh, avenues of how to just go deeper into your word. Father, we thank you for illuminating these things on tonight. We pray, oh God, that you will give us all good rest. We pray, oh God, that you have touched Prophetess Patrice and her body, Father. Help her as she continues with her job and taking care of her secular position. Father, we pray that you would just continue to use her to, to, to bless the people, even as she gets rest on tonight. Father, we pray that you give her good rest and good sleep. We thank you, Lord, for just your presence. We thank you, Lord, for your love and your kindness. And we ask all these blessings in your son, Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. You guys be blessed. I will see you guys back on the first Wednesday in July, which is what, July 6th? Uh, yes, July I'm looking at the calendar. Okay. July 6th, I'll be back. All right, um, you take care and have fun moving. Oops, wait a minute. Let me stop. That's not even funny. Thank you for joining us on tonight. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired. If you desire to be a blessing to the ministry, you may do so by sending a love gift to www.paypal.me forward slash VLCC or through our cash app, which is the dollar sign VLCC life. We also invite you to stop by our website by clicking on the link. May God bless you and may your day always be victorious.